If you have your Bible, I'm going to get in the Word this morning. We're going to go to Mark chapter 5, and I'm in the series. I plan on preaching this sermon maybe once or twice, but now it's become its own series, which to me is a God thing. I think that's a good thing when, when, when sometimes when the Lord just says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some more information than you expected. So I, I have some more today from Mark chapter 5. But before I do that, I want to share with you a testimony. And I shared this on Wednesday night. I actually have some pictures. Let's go to that first one. Pastor John, a little update. They were with us in January. Most of you were probably here for that night. They just held a crusade. As he talked about it when he was here, they're anticipating a big crusade. Uh, they, they finished it up. They had 76,394 people give their hearts to the Lord. I have his notes right here. Gave their hearts to the Lord. Almost 77,000 came to Jesus during this crusade. And so they had several hundred thousand people in the crowd, which is amazing in itself. Uh, he said they had 988 pastors. There's some pictures they posted. When, it was, when it's over, then they have a pastor's conference after these crusades. They had 988 pastors there who will follow up with the 77,000 people. And, and so those churches are just growing. As you can imagine, these 1,000 pastors or so, um, uh, sounds like a lot, but all of them are responsible for 70 people, just like that, saved. Uh, he said we had 17 people who started walking, who came, who were in wheelchairs. Um, 31 people, they had reports of 31 people who had tumors that were healed. There's, there's, it goes on and on. Um, one lady who was unable to hear from one side of her ear is now able to hear. Four people who were suffering from evil spirits were healed. A lot of amazing stuff. I have a few more pictures just to show you. There's a man here who's, who's been healed from whatever he was ailed from, in, probably in his legs. There's another lady. The wheelchair is behind her. And I just want to share this stuff. I think it's also cool. You'll see in the crowd, go one more, a lot of the women who are wearing burqas, uh, are coming to know Jesus Christ. And a lot of people who have been in, in Muslim, in that, in that faith, which is not a real faith, obviously, uh, are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that's amazing in itself. That is why he says they'll have anywhere from 700 to 1,000 uh, security guards at every event, you know, standing there with AK-47s, because they are entering into the enemy's camp. And now, how many know, and look what the Lord has done. Amen? <laughs> so, exciting stuff. And I think now that we, most of us, were able to get to know them, I think we all feel a little bit more connected to that. And many of you probably sowed a seed into their lives. So, I thank you for that. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 5. Let's go back into the gospel of Mark. And, and I'm hoping by the time we're done with this study, you will know this story. You will have a, a picture of it in your mind. You will have a whole new concept of, of what happened when Jesus was crossing the Sea of Galilee in Mark chapter 4, right? He's crossing the sea. He's in the boat with the disciples. The storm comes up. And he goes through the storm, he goes through the thunder, the lightning, and all the stuff that go with that, and, and he tells the storm to be quiet, right? So we know that story, people preach that story about storms in their life, but there's more to the story. He gets out of the boat. As he was in that storm, he knew what was waiting for him on the other side. He knew that he would face a man that was possessed by a legion of demons. A legion of demons is six. Is like six thousand foot soldiers. 
uh, are, are in this man. Jesus knew he would face this. He knew that he would, he would uh, uh, come in contact with, with the woman with the issue of blood. He knew he would come in contact with the father of a daughter who was dying. Matter of fact, she died when Jesus came. Uh, he, he healed her and she rose from the dead. He knew this. So while he was in the storm, he knew all these events were going to happen, but he still went. He still went. So this gospel has a theme. Uh, Mark's theme is on authority. It talks a lot about the authority of Jesus. As you know, each gospel has a different theme. Uh, that's why as you become a Bible scholar, and I think some of you in this room are, are starting to really grow in this area, you, you'll see that the gospels each have their own theme. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read these verses, and then we're going to go uh, into some, some new stuff this morning. Are you with me? Say amen. 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 Good. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake. The lake is, of course, the Sea of Galilee, to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit. Remember Mark chapter 4. He went through the storm. And it's the same event. All this is happening at once. So now 5. Jesus gets out of the boat. A man is there with an impure spirit who came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. And, I, and I, I'm assuming it was a loud cry. And out, and he would cut himself with stones. Now, verse 6, as I said, it's very interesting. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he sees him coming. And he, he saw him, and he ran, and he fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice. Now, this is not necessarily, uh, this is a lot happening here in this man. Obviously, he's possessed by demons. So he shouts at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus? He acknowledges, he knows the authority. He knows who he's, he's in the presence of, of one who has the authority to send out the demons. The demons know this. So Jesus, son of, most God, uh, uh, Jesus, son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, here it is, come out of this man, you impure spirit. So Jesus is asking a question, as I said, not for information, but for revelation, right? Jesus already knows all things. He knew the name. He knew what was going on. He knew the impure spirit. He knew the situation. He knew everything. So he's asking the question not for information, but for revelation, because he knows all things. And Jesus said in verse 9, Jesus asked, he asked them, what is your name? My name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. And I can just hear many voices. Many voices coming out. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out, send them out in the area. So they knew. How I many even the demons know the authority of Jesus? I think sometimes we lack in that area, but even the, the, the devil and the demons, they know. We're in the presence of the creator of the universe. He will send us out. So now they're, they're, they're kind of pleading with him, dealing with Jesus. They begged him, don't make us leave. And this is where I believe the story really takes a turn and gets very interesting in some ways here. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. 
Remember, Jesus has crossed over, right? He's crossed his home turf. He was in Jewish territory. Now he's not. He's in Gentile territory. So he's kind of in, 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 in oh, the opponent's territory, if you will. And so the demons begged Jesus. Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. Okay, you have to leave the man, but go into those pigs. So, and the impure spirits came out, and they went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number. Now, think about that. What you don't realize, 2,000 pigs in this day and age is equivalent, now listen to this, to $2 million. There was some farmer somewhere, his portfolio changed that day. Drastically. You talk about the stock market crashing on you, his stock market crashed. So 2,000 pigs is a big deal. This region was known for raising pigs. This was a big deal. These people understood there was a significant thing happening here. So it was, it was something of great value. How many know the enemy will attack things in our life that are of great value sometimes? Do you consider your marriage something valuable? So guess where the enemy is going to attack? You're, come on, somebody. Amen? He's not going to attack areas of your life that are not valuable. He's going to attack the things that are valuable, your children, your marriage, your health, your mind, your, your life. How many know the enemy will attack those places that are most valuable? So this is a little bit what happens here. We're going to break this down. It's, it's pretty amazing. The herd, about 2,000 in number, they, they rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Obviously, we know pigs don't swim. <laughs> It's right there. Those tending the pigs, here they are. Their portfolio is now drastically changed. They ran off. They reported this in the town and the countryside. Now, what I find is great about this portion of Scripture, and we're not going to go here today, but if you jump into, like, Matthew chapter 7, you will find that Jesus comes back to this region. And when he comes back, the people do respond to him. They do accept him. But right now, this is happening. This is real. The real time, the people went out to see what happened. And there was 2,000, gruesome as it is, floating pigs in the sea. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So these people were putting more value in the pigs than they were in the man who was being set free. And so they saw this, what had happened to this man, the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs, pigs as well. And then, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And Jesus was getting into the boat. Verse 18, the man who had been demon-possessed was like, he, now think about it, he's now been set free from these demons. And so he's begging Jesus, can I come with you? Don't leave me with these crazy people. Please, get, they, none of these people cared to even about me when I was going through what I was going through. I want to be with you. But that's not what Jesus tells them to do. He begged to go with him, and Jesus, verse 19, did not let him. But he said, go to your own people. Here's, here's the thing, right? Jesus, gave, we surrendered. He gives instruction. Go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So I think what Jesus was doing, he, he knew that, I will be back, and I need you 
to start working on these people so that when I do come back, amen, come on, this guy had an evangelism ministry starting right then and there. Jesus is like, you're now an evangelist. You went from being demon-possessed, and I need you to prepare the people because I am coming back. So the man went away, began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Jesus went through all this trouble. He went through the storm. He went through the, through the, the process of dealing with this man. All this to keep an appointment. Remember, he had an appointment for, for this girl, the daughter of Jairus, uh, Jairus, who was dying. So he had this appointment, but on the way, he went through these things, the storms, the, the, the man there at the, at the hillside. And, and, and I asked this question last week, and I think it's important that we bring this up again before we break down some new stuff here. But I asked this question, how many of you in this room are going through a storm in your life? Anybody here? Probably all of us in some way. Or or you know somebody who's going through a type of storm. I mean, if you have a family member that's not saved, to me, that's someone who's going through a storm. They need Jesus, amen? So we all know somebody. Maybe you yourself are going through something in your life, and I hope not. But but we all have been there before at one point in time. Maybe a a, a situation. Maybe you just came out of a storm. But there was a storm that day that Jesus was involved with on the sea. And let's go there, Mark chapter 4, 35. Let's go back in time. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say why. He just said what? Let's go. It's saying that you need to obey what God says to you, even if you don't know why he says it. We don't. Always know why, we just know what. So Jesus is moving this mission forward. He's leaving Capernaum. And so here they are with Jesus in the boat. And I'm going to stop right there and I want to ask these questions. You know, maybe some in this room, as Jesus is moving this group forward through the storm, maybe there's someone in this room right now that you, you, have, you have begun to move forward in your life. Meaning, you've gone through a storm, but maybe you're saying, God, I'm starting to see the importance. I'm changing the values in my life to line up with what you want my life to look like. Maybe there's, I believe that there are people in this room that, that you are moving and you're beginning to prioritize the need for the presence of God in your life every day. Amen? I mean, God is there, but he stands at the door and he knocks. And so... We can't just have Jesus on Sunday morning. We say, we have to say, Lord, I need you today. He's always there, but we need to, we need to say, God, I, I want you involved in my marriage. I want you involved in my, my life. I want you involved in, in, in my online stuff. I want you involved in every part of my life. Come on, amen? Yeah. We can't just say, okay, God, I'm going online. You got to sit this one out. I don't need you to see this. <laughs> this is going to be ugly. No, he's always there, right? Whether we like it or not, he's always there. He's always there. So, so we have this story of this man. And maybe in your life, the, the devil has been trying to puff, and he's pr- trying to, to blow your house down, in, in, in a lack of a better way to say it. But, but how many know he's going to find out real fast 
that your life is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And no matter what storm comes, no matter how long he huffs and how long he puffs, in Jesus' name we declare he will not blow my house down, my life down, because we are building something in this house. Amen? Through, through discipleship, through foundation, through Bible study, through worship, through sermons, through everything we do in life, experiences, your life is constantly being built stronger through the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. My house is built on the rock. Say that with me. My house is built on the rock. And that's why we have to have the word. That's why we have to, we know that, that, that to God we matter. Amen. You matter very much to God. I like to say, you're very important. You are a VIP or an MVP in God's eyes. The man who was demon-possessed was important enough for Jesus to go through the storm to go to that man. A man who was so out of control, he was breaking chains. Think about that, power team fans. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm saying. I'm power team. This, this, this man, Jesus, was, was willing to go through the storm to find this man who everybody else thought probably it was hopeless. It proves that everybody matters to Jesus. Amen? No matter where you're at in life, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through right now, what storm, God cares and he says, you matter to me. You matter to God. He doesn't forget about you. In this passage, the storm means he's on his way. The storm that you're going through right now, you can take hope in knowing that it means that Jesus is on his way. He's on his way. Remember this man has not, you know, in Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus is going through the storm, this man is somewhere on this hillside, and he doesn't know you know, what's about to happen, the man himself. Uh, uh, but, but there's a storm that's in, uh, trying to impede Jesus from getting there, from getting to the man. And, and, and I say this, maybe, maybe if you're going through a storm right now or maybe one will hit on Thursday morning, um, I want you to know that the storm is a sign that grace is on its way. The storm that you're going through, if you allow, if you allow God to, to guide you through that storm, amen, if you don't stop praising, you don't stop worshiping, you don't stop believing, it just means that grace is on the way. And I think that in my life, not I think, I know that I have learned probably the most valuable lessons in my life, not only about who God is, but about me and my identity when I've gone through storms. Storms teach us things, don't they? Storms reveal things. You, you'll find out real fast how important the cross is when you go through a storm. The Bible said the storm came up suddenly. The moment Jesus started in the direction of the man, here he is on the Sea of Galilee, the moment Jesus started, the storm comes up. The storm is there. And not because God wasn't with him, but because Jesus was headed in his direction. God was with Jesus so the storm comes up to try to stop Jesus from getting to the man. And, and, and when I was preparing this message, I was thinking we could probably all easily associate with storms in life. I think that can preach. I said that last week. 
when I said how many people have been through a storm or going through a storm, probably everybody in this room, I saw most of your hands go up. We can associate with the storms. And I was thinking, that's, that's the easy part. But, but what about this man? How do you relate to this man? You know? How can we say, Lord, I see something in him that I see in me. Is that possible? Think about it. This man that Jesus comes to in Mark chapter 5, we just read about. He's living among the tombs. Tombs are where, where dead things are. He was cutting himself with stones. Um, he, he said, my name is Legion. And, and maybe people would say, you know, I'll, how many of this room can say, I have some problems, but it ain't that bad. I mean, this guy, it's hard to relate to this guy. Like, I might have some issues, and I think we all have issues. Come on, we're all a little bit crazy. <laughs> we're all a little bit sometimes, you know, uh, uh, offbeat, to say it in a nice way. But... God, I don't know if I can relate to this guy. He was cutting himself. He was living among the... He was demon-possessed. But how can we relate? Like I said, I get the part about the storm, but how do I associate with this guy? He, it says he lived among the tombs. And so the first question I ask is, do you ever go to dead places? Places in life that are not producing good things. Places in life that only bring you down instead of build you up. And, I, I, and don't, don't think that work counts, because work doesn't count. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but it has to, don't, please don't say home or your marriage, because please don't. We're going to talk if that's... But there are things in our life that are dead things, things that are not producing anything good. And it could be that club. It could be that bar. It could be anything like, come on, somebody, i got to preach it real today, amen? There are places that we tend to go that are tombs, dead places like that. And so maybe we can relate to that. But the text here, the Word of God says that they would try to chain him up. And he could break the chains. Uh, they, they, they couldn't hold him anymore. Apparently, can you imagine how many people it took just to get a chain around this guy? I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's been demon-possessed. Some of you have. It is not a pretty sight. It is, it is actually kind of, in our, in our flesh, a little bit scary in our spirit. We know that we have authority in Jesus' name. Amen. But, but can you imagine how many people it took just to hold this man down to get the chains around him in the first place? He breaks the chains and so the chains weren't holding him, and then he would hurt himself. And the question God wants me to ask you this morning is, I thought about this man. This man is out of control. Are there any areas of your life that are out of control? Amen? Come on. Ask yourself, is there any part of my life that is out of control? I believe that we, if we can say yes to that, then we can relate to this man. This man was out of control. Now, maybe, maybe it could be different things for you, and, and, but I started to study this text deeper, and I was thinking at first, I was thinking, you know, Lord, I, I, I could be like Jesus, and I want to use my, my very religious voice. Hallelujah. Amen? I could be like Jesus because I need to go help people. But then I started reading the text, and the more I studied it, I realized 
I have my own chains. I have my own things. I have my own chains. And maybe you have some chains in your life today. And, and, you know, I've met people, and we've all met people that seem to have it all together. Anybody know anybody like that, like living the American dream? Yeah? You know, uh, the, kind, the kind of people that, that smell really good. <laughs> you know, uh, the kind of people that have country club memberships and stuff like that, that drive eco-friendly cars and eat hummus. That's a sign of success right there. Eating that hummus and driving that eco-friendly car. Smell real good. By the American standard, standard, there are many people I've come in contact that seem to be living the dream. Seem to have everything under control. But on the inside, I can tell that there's some things in their life that are out of control. And they're miserable. Could it be that we live in a society where we're really good at putting on the mask of the outside, but on the inside and in our personal life, there are some things that are out of control. And so maybe we can relate to this man. And this proves that we all need Jesus to come and invade our lives, amen? Those areas of our life. And, and there's, there's this, this reality that there are people that seem to have it all, but on the inside, they're freaking out, <laughs> And they're trying to stop the pain with every type of medicine, every type of substance. And so we can relate to this man in a way who is out of control, I believe. And, 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 and it could be things like your spending. Maybe your spending is out of control. Maybe your eating. Maybe your sexuality. Maybe your language. I didn't get a lot of amens on any of these. None of them. But I think it's all hitting home, isn't it? Maybe there's something in your life that's just out of control. And God is trying to bring us to that place to say, you matter enough to me. I care so much to you that even if you're out of control, my son came and went to the cross so that you could be set free today. Amen? God, I need you in my life in those areas that are out of control because I know I matter to you. And when you begin to acknowledge that you matter to God, it will change your perception of life. Amen? It's when people feel like they can live in the shadows of life and just kind of go through life living in the shadows, living in the background, not realizing that how much they matter to God. But God says, you matter so much to me. I would even go after a man who was demon-possessed, full of demons, and I would send my son through a storm. I would send my son out of his routine, even though the people would ask him to leave. I knew this man mattered so much that I would do this for this, for this man. How many know Jesus, if he cared that much for this man, how much does he care for you and I? You matter to God. Say that. Say, I matter to God. So those things in our life that are seemingly out of control, remind yourself, if you find yourself spinning out of control, say, God, my life matters, and I need to live with that purpose. And I know, as I said, if I kept going down the list of things that are out of control in my life, I guarantee you I could clear this whole room of self-righteousness. Amen? We would all have to leave. 
Because all of us are, are in need of Jesus, and there is no one righteous but one, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? So we cannot have this, and I'm not saying we do, but we always have to be careful we don't ever have this self-righteous, pharisaical attitude of like, well, I have my life under control. Too bad for them. I think we all need to live underneath the scope of God. What in my life do I need to work on? And I'm going to pray for my brother, and I'm going to pray for my sister, and I'm going to help them out along the way. Amen? Every single day I say, God, I need to kneel down. See, the demons even ran to Jesus. They ran to him, and they got down, and they kneeled before Jesus. I pray that we would do the same. That we would say, Lord, I'm running to you, God, and I'm kneeling before your son, Jesus Christ, saying, Lord, this area of my life is out of control. But I know that I am important to you. I matter. You know, Jesus, listen, Jesus knew the man was crazy already before he got on the boat. But he went anyway. Jesus already knows you're crazy. But he knows I'm crazy. But how many know it won't stop him from coming towards us? He's not going to ever stop pursuing us. He loves us that much. No matter how out of control your life is. That gets me excited. Because maybe he knows about my issues too. Jesus said, what's your name? He was asking this basically in that question. He's saying, I know your name, but do you know who you are? He already knows who we are. He knows how we tick. He knows how we work. He knows how we operate. So when he asks us the question, he's really, like I said, not looking for information, but he's looking for revelation. And the revelation is this. Do you know who you are in Christ? And maybe there's still some people that, that, that they know who they are on Sunday morning, but maybe they don't know who they are when they're online. Amen? Maybe there's a different persona that you have that other people know you as, and maybe that persona, and so you're lost, you're confused, and it's out of control, and so you don't know exactly who you are. Maybe you're not the same person on Friday night, Come, you know, and I think we all can agree, sometimes in life we put on different personas, and it's finding out when you know who you are in Jesus Christ, you can say, I am the same person Sunday morning that I am on Friday night, or Wednesday night, or Thursday morning, or whenever. Amen? Now, does that mean that we're going to be perfect in, in, in all ways? Absolutely not. But it means I begin to realize that I matter to God. My life is important. And God, I need to ask you to deal with these things in my life that are out of control. Jesus asking, do you know who you are? Do you know? You know, if you're married, how many know? Your spouse <laughs> knows a part of you that only they know. Amen? I think if I, if I could bring up all of our, our other halves and they could probably all tell us things about ourselves that other people don't know, maybe we don't want them to know. There might be things that Heather would tell you about me that you'd be like, oh, I did not want to hear that today. Please don't tell me. And there are things that you know about yourself that nobody else knows. Where your mind goes. Where your thoughts go. And I'm going to be real. Guys, authentic manhood. Where's our, my authentic man? Amen? When that woman walks by and you're married and that woman walks by with that short dress and that tight outfit on and you take that third look. I just really got the room quiet. Come on, we need Jesus. 
And girls, I'm not a girl, but I'm sure it's the same for you. Amen? All right. <laughs> it got really quiet in here. Palms are sweaty. People are not making eye contact. <laughs> but we can be real and say, God, I... See, because you matter so much to Jesus, he will do anything for you, including giving up his life. Wow. He went to the cross so that we could be set free from those chains. Amen? And it's not a guilt thing. I don't want you walking out today with your head down and going, oh, I'm so guilty. <laughs> I'm so terrible. No, I want you to walk out saying, yes, God, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I might not be perfect, but I, 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 I'm in the process. I'm working my way through this. I'm getting through this storm because he's in the boat, Jesus. Amen? It's all about believing in yourself that God is for you, not against you. It's about, all about saying that I am, I am every day growing more and more towards Jesus. It's about saying I am not defeated, but I am a son or a daughter of the Most High. It, it's about believing that you can succeed in life. It's about believing that you do matter. Your life is important. <laughs> there were some times this week. I, did, I, I mean, there was a moment this week where I, I, I kind of just lost my cool at... Driving in the I mean, driving in the car is my biggest test in life. I don't know what it is, man. Traffic and potholes; those two things test my faith. My goodness, hallelujah! I rebuke those potholes in Jesus' name. But <laughs> anyway, it's rough. I know, but but I, I literally at one moment I'm listening to praise and worship on my car. I'm listening to Caleb, right? And so on my radio is like Chris Tomlin singing like you know a song about peace and grace. And I'm in traffic yelling at people. <laughs> like, what is the deal? And then I look over and I see my kids. Oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah. I was just praying for you. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> right? So we all need it. But it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact when you do have a moment and you do catch yourself slipping, you still matter to God. He doesn't keep score. The reason why I said that thing about scorecard, aren't you glad God doesn't keep score in heaven? Well, that, I just knocked off a grade. But we tend to keep score of our own life. And we score other people's lives. Lord, help us to rip up all the scorecards. We all need grace. We all need more Jesus every day because we matter. All right, I need to wrap this up. Amen. <laughs> I got that. The demons ran, and they fell before Jesus. They said, don't make us leave. We like it here. Because we have this guy, or maybe they have these people on autopilot. They found a place that they can live and stay. We don't want to leave. We like it here. Like I said, the demons knew who Jesus was. They knew who had come into their presence. They knew it. They knew that he was more powerful. They knew that they would have to vacate this guy. They knew it. And they knew somebody was strong enough in their midst. And, and maybe you've tried everything. Maybe you've tried to run to everyone. And, but I declare today that you understand and that you know that you are in the presence of a greater grace. You are in the presence of the God of the universe. Amen. And what good works can't do. What those chains tried to do, God is about to do something new in your life. Amen?
if you let him. You have to say it. God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make some changes. And now we're going to close because I'm going to finish this next time, the part about the pigs. I wanted to know why the demons wanted to go into the pigs. I'm thinking, like, this story is more complex than I ever realized. And, and so on the surface, I understand that the devil does not want to give up ground, right? He doesn't want to give up ground in your life. There will be a fight when you give that thing up. Expect it. Be ready for it. Amen? Rejoice in it. <laughs> All right. This just means that God is doing something new in my life. And so we know the devil does not want to give up any ground. You know, the devil doesn't want you to be the first one in your family who doesn't need a drink to feel good about yourself. Let me say that again. The devil does not want you to be the one who breaks a generational curse in your family about over-drinking. Amen? He's enjoyed having that territory. And so, and now you're saying, I'm going to be the one to break that curse that I don't need to, you know, overconsume or whatever you want to call it to feel good about myself. He doesn't want you to be the first one in your family to be able to stay in a stable relationship and not run around all the time. But what I want to tell you in, the, in this morning in closing is, is these final words. Would you stand with me? I want to ask you this, and I want you to understand this, and we need to acknowledge this as we go through this thought of these pigs. We're going to get into it more. I want you to understand that Jesus is in this house. The presence of God is in this place. The power of the Almighty God is in this moment. And maybe there's something in your life that's gotten out of control. Or maybe you know somebody. I'm sure we all know somebody that's allowed things to get out of control. And rather than keeping the scorecard of our own failures or the scorecard of somebody else's failures, why don't we try to show those people or tell ourselves that we matter and they matter. And maybe the church sometimes hasn't done a good enough job. Maybe we've been real good at keeping that score and saying, oh, you used to be in church. Or you used to do this. You used to. You used to. Instead of saying, you, you matter still to God. And maybe you're that person. Maybe you're here today. And there's something that nobody else knows about. Only you know it. And it, it's a battle that you go through. And you need to start saying, God, I matter. I can do better than this. There was a point in my life many years ago, but where, this is right pre-marriage, but I started finding some areas in my life I could see it slipping out of control and I and I and I knew it. And I remember vividly at a conference, a church conference, getting on my face before God and saying, This has to stop. This has to stop. Because I knew that God had a plan for my life. I knew that I mattered. God has a plan for your life. You matter. That persona, I want to know that the same person that I meet, I want you to know the same person that you meet me will be the same person that's online 
the same person that's at work, the same person in the car, that we matter to God. So Jesus says, let the man go to the demons because he's important to me. I went through the storms to get to this guy. I went two hours through a storm across the sea to to be here. I only have three years to change the whole world. So even two hours is a lot of time. I did all this. Basically, he was saying, this man is a VIP and he matters. Jesus knew that everybody in town had given up or forgotten about this man. But Jesus came to his place of need that day. If Jesus went through the storm for this man and he went to the cross for you, you must be valuable to God. Your life is worth so much to God if he went through that for you. And I'm going to leave you here this morning with this thought. As I said, he went to the pigs and We understand that pigs don't swim. I already said that. We know that. But what did the demons know that we don't know? And I want to leave you with this question to ponder. What did the demons know that maybe we don't know? And I think the demons understood that the people in this region cared more about the pigs than they did about the man. Is it possible that in life sometimes we might care more about success popularity all these things more than we care about the lost, the hurt, and the broken I pray that we would put value in people value Father we pray that this message would just spark a drive in us spark a drive to draw closer to you to cling to the cross to know God that we matter to you so much you sent your son to the cross to die a a, a vicious and an ugly death but yet it was beautiful and it was amazing so that we can be set free set free I declare that and speak that over this church here today. Father God, that chains will be broken. Cycles will end. Cycles that are not of you. Father, I pray, God, that if there's anyone in this room, there's an area of their life that is out of control. Like I said, it could be spending. It could be eating. It could be uh, pornography. It could be what we do in our personal, anything, any, any area that maybe we've been trying to hide in the dark places. God, thank you for putting light on it so that it can be dealt with at the cross. And aren't you thankful that his grace is so good? God's not going to embarrass you. He's not going to try to punish you. He's not keeping score. He just wants to redeem you. He wants to set you free. He wants you to know that you matter. He wants to give your your, your, your life that purpose. And, and he wants to restore things. I'm so thankful in this room right now as we, it's 11.44 and 56 seconds. I got a clock looking right at me. So I'm going to give myself two minutes. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you myself for giving myself two minutes. I don't know what that means, but aren't you so thankful 
for God's grace. Wow. Don't beat yourself up anymore, church. It is time to say, God, I'm tired of beating myself up over past mistakes. I start today by saying I am a new person. That demon-possessed man, God, right away, through, I mean, Jesus right there said, go into the city. Right there, he went into the city. He had purpose. He could have walked around town with his head down, being like, well, I'm the guy. It's me. But I believe that he went in there and said, look what the Lord has done. Lord, as we leave, thank you for giving us purpose as husbands and wives, as workers, as friends, as parents, grandparents, as students, as believers. Every person in this room, your life has purpose. You all matter. You all matter. God has a keep score. He doesn't love someone better because they work in the children's ministry or on the platform right now or they're out. He loves us all the same. Thank you for this day, Lord. Wow, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Lord, now as we leave this house and we walk into the streets and the highways and the byways and we, we, we enter into the marketplace and we are out in life, God, I pray that our actions, our lives would speak loudly. Our love would be infectious. Our smile would be contagious. Our countenance would be, Lord, just amazing because you are all over us. So use us this week, God. Help us to to change lives by letting people know that they matter because God loves them so much. He sent his son to die for them. We thank you, God, for this word, this amazing day to be in your house. Bless this bake cell, Lord. It's for the Welch family, God. I thank you for their ministry. Father, thank you for those who are going to sow into Clara's trip to Trinidad, God. Bless them richly. Father, I pray for our Bible studies tonight, God, that we will grow even deeper. I thank you for every person who's here today, Lord. Everyone matters to you and matters to us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.